Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to the second mini episode of October. I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. Forgot my name there for a second. I was like, well, who am embarrassing. I? Gosh. I know. It's, <laughs> I, I, it hasn't been a long week. I have no excuses. It's only Wednesday. You could have picked up any name you wanted, I suppose. I could be anybody I want, Krista. Yeah. And that would really confuse the listeners, but it could be fun. Yes. Guest hosts every, yeah. every week. <laughs> Anyways. Um, obviously we are doing true spooks again. Um, mine is very different than Krista's. So if you listened last week, Krista's followed, um, one serial killer Israeli keys. And, uh, I did not pick a cohesive story like that. So, um, I'm just going to jump into it. I was like, I don't really have any additional context to give you at this point. I just picked what I picked because I did, um, I did an audiobook as well, so we'll get into that. But I picked Haunted Healthcare. Mm. And it's literally just like a collection of short stories. Like the like the subtitle is Medical Professionals and Patients Share Their Encounters with the Paranormal. I, I like paranormal stuff. I, I literally don't literally, like hospitals. I don't know that I'm gonna like them anymore. Oh, this. I won't I won't uh won't get you too excited about it. It's okay. There's lots of other scenarios when you can encounter medical paranormal activity. So can't okay. wait, right? Okay, good, good. Whew, lots of other times. Other things to be afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am definitely somebody who at least wants to believe in the paranormal. I don't know if I've had enough like actual experiences to say that like I have without a doubt belief. Um but I would, I would like, I would like to, and I, I've seen enough that I think maybe that's definitely possible. Um, so that's why I picked this, this particular story. I think it's really interesting. Um, it, it, like it says, it's a collection of short stories. So I'll talk you through some of like the, the primary stories and then the, the driving reason for Richard S. Depp to have written this. That's who wrote it. Um, he basically is a medical professional and a paranormal investigator. And so like, that's what he does with all of his time now is he mostly investigates paranormal activities that have to do with medical. Obviously like number one thing is try to rule out anything um, reasonable, you know? But uh, I particularly picked this one because I just think it's, uh, it makes sense to me. Like I, I wrote my college uh, essay to Western on paranormal psychology. And apparently this is just who I am now. I don't know why they accepted me and I have no idea what I wrote, but I wasn't doing any drugs at the time. And it was probably not great. Well, it was different. If you think about it, like the things that like, like I, that's unique. mine was, I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't good. Like it wasn't like, I shouldn't say it wasn't good. I had somebody edit it. So like the writing was good, but the topic itself was not original. It wasn't I was not standing out I was probably just a lump of yep yep got the grades sure here you go they were probably like this girl is a weirdo I guess she can come here she belongs and look at you now you're doubling down on it like I am embracing it more I still believe I do honestly I do and it makes sense so part of this book is talking about obviously specific people's experiences and stories because I think it kind of highlights like some of the explanations that he gives for like why like maybe these scenarios would be paranormally charged right um so i'm actually going to kind of work backwards so the last story that i'm given in this book is the story that prompted richard to write the book and to gather other people's stories so that's why i'm starting with this last one it's not like detrimental like there's no spoilers like it's nothing like that when it's it's a collection of short stories like you, you kind of know what you're going to get like people have died in these places or had very traumatic emotional events. And therefore there is paranormal activity being reported by the people who frequent those places. Um, 
so the reason that he wrote this book or the, the person that kind of prompted him to write this book and investigate this a little bit further was a young boy named Kyle who had a rare tumor disorder. So apparently with this disorder, basically you're just like constantly growing tumors. It's not good. You're going through a lot of surgery. It's a usually a childhood disorder. And apparently, I, I don't even think he said what it was. I didn't catch it. Um, but apparently it's pretty rare to the point where most of the children that have this die by the age of eight. Um, so very young, like very tragic. So this boy, Kyle, at this point, um, when Richard meets him and is called to come to his house is terminal. So they, they're pretty sure they're like, this is, I mean, he's 13, he's 13. Oh, wow. So he's he has survived it. much longer yeah. than anybody else. Most of the childhood friends that he had that he met, like, um, while doing cancer treatments and surgeries have all passed away. Um, so Richard gets a call from Kyle's father. He's like, hey, here's the deal. My son is terminal, but he's been experiencing a lot of paranormal activity lately. And he's like, okay, like explain, need some more information. Um, so apparently uh, the children that have passed away that Kyle has encountered over his time um, dealing with this illness are showing up to him in his room at night, which is not uncommon. Like it's pretty common for someone who is terminal or close to death to have experiences with people that they knew in life that have died like that's pretty common my great grandpa used to talk about a, a young girl like running around his bedroom and I'm pretty sure it was my aunt Bev who passed away when she was young um so like it, it's totally totally normal and so they're like okay yeah sure whatever it's really unclear like if it's paranormal activity or what but this boy on top of that is also reporting that there are like shadows around his house and then he saw these entities like these light entities come into his room um, he'd had a lot of like cheek pain where he'd had a tumor removed for months, like excruciating pain. This like light entity came into his room, according to Kyle, touched his cheek and the pain went away, like just gone. And then told him that the third time would be the last time. And this is his third time having like straight up cancer. He's had other, um, like medical issues too, like his gallbladder is failing. He had necrosis of his scalp where they had to literally remove part of his skull because it was just, the flesh was just dying. Like this poor kid, but he's like very mature about it for 13. I mean, you would be considering how many- So you have to be at that point. You would have to be. But basically what Kyle's father told Richard was enough to prompt him to at least come investigate, right? Like it's it's interesting enough. Um, and he was already investigating like before this phone call, I'm assuming, which is why he got the phone call. It sounds like, like he had first... an interest and this oh, was like okay. the case that prompted him to actually write like the stories down and like oh, okay. have like a whole thing about it. Um, I, it kind of sounded like he got pretty attached to this kid. Um, they were having you know, like regular phone calls and like he was getting updates. Um, it does sound like the, the kid passed away, um, unfortunately, but basically Richard went to go talk about it uh, with Kyle. Um, Kyle, because he was terminal, wanted to like perform his own investigation. And so he had done lots of things around his house, like try to set up traps and like take pictures. And apparently since like the first light entities showed up, other like shadow entities have been showing up in his house, but his friends, the ghosts, like his, the ghosts of his friends are preventing these like shadow entities from entering Kyle's room. Like, it's all very weird, right? And so, like, Richard, like, comes to this house trying to be, like, an unbiased person. Like, he wants to come in and give, like, are there other reasonable explanations? He can't really explain, like, what Kyle says that he sees. But that not that kind of the whole thing, right? Like, we can't tell if it's someone's mind playing tricks on them or if it's, like, truly happening. We also can't say it's not happening. Um, he did review the pictures that Kyle had provided him. And he was, like, Kyle was, like, oh, look, like, there's totally a face in this one. And there's a word for it. I'm trying to find it. Um basically he was seeing faces where there weren't actually any faces 
feels like those like track images or whatever where they're like what do you see in this one or something there's like but, a specific but it's not word. because it's yeah it's like definitely more like an internal of uh it's like pareidolia that's what it is <laughs> so pareidolia is like it's when you are seeing familiar objects or patterns or faces somewhere where there isn't anything and it's just like your brain trying to create associations i really wanted to find that word so i'm proud um <laughs> i don't hand write stuff very often so i was just like missing it but yeah, so pareidolia. So basically, like Richard decides, like I'm just gonna be really honest with them, and I'm just gonna tell them that, like, I think that that's what this, at least the pictures are. Like, I can't explain those other things. And like Richard didn't experience anything paranormal in the house. It sounded like if he did, he didn't um, talk about it. And I would think that he would have in the book. He was pretty upfront Probably. about like people's experiences. Um, but also, you can't discount it, right? Like Kyle had another friend die, and then that friend started appearing as well. But that could just be part of Kyle's being terminal. Um, a or lot like of the people grief of losing that friend. Who knows? Exactly. Also, I'm gonna add right here. I'm a natural skeptic, so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the voice coming of the skeptic. Like, okay, but, but I'm trying to keep an open mind. Yes. I agree. I, I appreciate, I appreciate you. Um, but yeah, so basically like that whole case, like just the whole situation where Kyle was like very sure. And like, he had done like a, a good amount of research where, you know, Richard was like, well, maybe you were sleeping, you know, like you'd fallen asleep and you didn't know that you fell asleep. And Kyle's like, no, I have an Apple watch. It, it tracks my sleep. And it tells me if I'm inactive, he was like, I looked at it as soon as those entities left and I'd been awake the whole time. And I was like, okay, but like, you could take a micro nap. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of other, you're just like, like disassociating or something. Yeah, it's super. I mean, I don't know how being terminal is, but I know when you're incredibly exhausted, your brain will take micro naps without you knowing it. And like you could be still moving. You know what I mean? Like, so maybe his Apple Watch didn't detect it. I don't know. I I try to go into that with like also the same amount of skepticism. Like, I don't want to like believe in something that like clearly isn't there. But I do think it's really interesting that there is this pattern where people who are terminal or who have these emotional disturbances or traumatic events do see things, right? And so that's kind of what prompted him to really write this, the story. Um, yes, he, it did seem like he was investigating before. He didn't really go into detail about what he was doing before, um, but it sounds like it's something that's always kind of been part of his interest and he'd kind of already been collecting these stories, but he decided to like actually talk about it because I think this kid particularly impacted him. So the interesting one in that story, I think for me that, because the other things I feel like I can explain away, but the fact that like when the, the light hit his cheek and then he wasn't in this excruciating pain like that's what got me too. to go from excruciating to not pain that one's hard as soon as it touched him it was just gone and like he said that they were kind of faceless they were about seven to eight feet tall and they were just like these light beings and they said the third time and he did he he passed away and the third time he got cancer because when Richard came that was the third time he'd had cancer he was going through cancer treatments and this time it was inoperable there's nothing they could do other than like attempt radiation and that kind of stuff and he'd already been through that and he didn't really want to do it again you know like I get it at 13, you've already been through a lot when, if you have a chronic illness, especially if you're terminal. Um, so I just think that there were a few things there that were really interesting. Like it could absolutely be like Kyle's mind projecting like that this, he's done, you know, like he doesn't want to do it anymore. And he, he, he's just want his body's tired. Like yeah. and, he's, totally yeah. and his brain is like given an option of like, Hey, you can take this, this out, if you will. Uh, yeah. This being this told you it. that it was your third one and you can choose not to, but it's like giving yourself permission, you know, like, yeah. So like, that's kind of how I saw it, but obviously Richard saw and heard enough that he felt like there was enough to warrant, um, actually writing these stories down. So the stories themselves that are in this book, there are quite a few of them that if they are true, there's one in particular, 
like I don't know how you could deny ghosts are real like honestly truly I don't know how so I'm gonna get into a couple of them um that I felt like were the more dominant stories in this book because I don't want to tell you all the stories but there are a lot of them like it's uh I think it's only like a four hour listen maybe but I listen to stuff usually at like 1.5 so um yeah there are a lot of stories you fast 1.5 I, I listen between 1.5 and 2 most of the time. Oh, <laughs> I just I tried, want to get through it. I think I tried 2 once. I think the last time you said you listened to something on 2, I was like, I tried it and I was like, I talk fast, but my brain can't comprehend that. What? Totally, I could not. It was like, and I was just like, oh, what's happening? Maybe it was already a fast narrator, though, too. Yeah, Maybe that was part of it. I don't know. It could be the narrator, but I also find it like I, if I ramp up to it, so like usually I start a book off at about 1.2 and then after I get comfortable with it, I'll bump it up to 1.4 and then I just find myself having bumped up. So like if I listen for like three hours, I probably at that point have bumped myself up to two because I'm invested in it and then I don't need to like readjust. Okay. Maybe that was my problem. Maybe I think I, I think that. I went from like my standard 1.15 and I was like, I'm going to try two. Too much, too, too fast. Too big. Yeah. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps baby steps anyways so Richard not only gives um stories but he also talks about like why maybe this would happen so like some people are skeptics because they're like well there's never been any activity here before I don't see why there would be now and usually it's like after a loved one has died and there's activity that they don't want to admit to and it's like well the reason that you're seeing it now is because now something traumatic has happened. Like just because you haven't seen it there in the past doesn't mean that there isn't potential for it to happen in the future based on whatever circumstances occur. Yeah, that's why and, we can see the thistles or whatever in Harry Potter once you've seen death. Yeah, the, the yeah, whatever. I don't know how to say it, honestly. The I thistles, don't know. I took, I took my thistles. best guess. It's think... probably close. Oh. I, I knew what you were talking about and that's all that mattered. All that mattered. Um, so I thought that was, that was interesting. And so he does talk a little bit about um, like, like I said, it's not just stories, but he does talk a little bit about how like mental illness like could potentially play a role here. Like, do we ever know with a hundred percent certainty that someone with mental illness isn't experiencing those things? No, but like also sometimes it really just boils down to the fact that it's real for them and it doesn't really matter whether or not we believe it or not. Like it's real enough that it's impacting them. Therefore, why can we not just say it's real, you know? Yeah. Like, like is that dementia patient? Is it really their dementia or is it something else? Who knows? I mean, the dementia ones are the easy out to be like, well, it's the dementia, but there's something that says that we, that it is that or that it isn't. We can't say it isn't that. Yeah, not 100%. So I can see where he's coming from. Yeah. And like, I totally understand that. And like, so he's talking about like, well, maybe, maybe people who are spirits are just attracted to people who have a mental illness because they have all that emotional trauma you know they're trying to deal like they've got that internal struggle so like maybe they're just more susceptible and so like it isn't the mental illness but it actually is like you know thinning of that veil if the veil exists you know like all of this obviously being a potential hypothetical um so i did really like the way that he kind of approaches it as a skeptic but like talking about all of the different scenarios and like going as far down that pathway as he can right like but it could be this but it could be this but it also could be this like we can't say it's not so I did really appreciate that about him. A lot of the, like the ghost stories that you read are from people who were like, I totally believe, or they're just a complete farce and it's just fiction. Um, where this one, I didn't really feel like that. Like it felt like, like he was really trying to understand like whether or not it was real or not. And he's like, here are these stories from people. Um, there's a, a wide variety of different stories. So there's stories uh, from ambulances directly, from ERs, from hospice, um, from 
uh, obviously like a mental health facility. I think those are probably the top ones. Um, most of the time he does talk about like hospice care and nursing. So if that's, that's like a, a trigger for you, definitely maybe avoid that. Um, but for me, I find it incredibly interesting and fascinating. Does he tell you at the start of like the story of the chapter, like where it takes place so that maybe folks could skip the hospice one and like only listen to the other ones or? Yeah, kind this. of. So at the beginning of each like chapter, he introduces like who the person is that the story is coming from. Um, I don't know if it's like super direct, but like it's pretty obvious usually within the first like minute or two that like it's this nurse and she worked in this hospice care and that's what we're going to be talking about. So yeah, you could absolutely skip if you have a particular proclivity to avoid those certain topics. Um, absolutely understandable. The ones that I found the most interesting this is a mini and I don't need to tell you the whole story. It's not that long. Um, so the ones that I found the most interesting, um, the there is one in particular where this old lady, so uh, one hospice care story. So this older lady has been like completely sweet and like perfectly fine and like doesn't really have any major issues other than like dementia, essentially. Like she, she doesn't have any memory and like coming with some dementia is of course gonna be aggression, fear. Like there are a lot of other things that go into play. So this lady gets moved into a different room in the facility that she's in. And when she's in there, she starts reporting that she's hearing someone growling. Like, that's not good, right? That's unsettling. That would not that be makes a great me nervous. I don't want to live there. Yeah. So the nurses start checking on her more often, thinking that like her dementia is progressing, like things are not going well. Um, and so they go in there and one of the nurses hears it. Like one of the nurses like hears the growling. And so she thinks it's the patient. She's like, it's got to be the patient, like just kind of losing their shit. Like I've, I've worked in, you know, a retirement communities. Like I've, I've heard some pretty scary things. I've worked in mental health facilities. Like I've, I've seen patients growl. Like that's absolutely not outside the norm. Um, but the thing is that like the old lady, while she was in that room would suddenly be like coherent, like more often than not. And she would talk consistently about the growling. So like, it's one thing to like be completely out of it and incoherent, but like the fact is that she heard the same thing that the nurse heard and they both had the same exact story of like what experience they were having. And so like they thought that there was like an entity basically in that room that was causing problems. I think that was a room that the last person had died in. So like there's a good op good chance that it was just like somebody lingering, somebody who was mad. Um, but uh, there were some other like weird experiences in the same particular place. But like just as a whole, I think that's pretty creepy. Like this person is absolutely incoherent. Like it's not unheard of to have lucid moments, but for her to like consistently report that she's experiencing the same thing. And like whenever the nurse would come in, she'd be like, this is just happening in my room. That's not how a dementia patient would be able to deal with that. Like, yeah. My first thought, because I go conspiracy theory and I'm like, somebody has a recording in there and they're trying to mess with be. this woman. And be. because I don't know why, but I went conspiracy theory on it, which is also still bad. And it still means that the sound is real and it's not all in our head. So, right. Well, but, anyways, I just thought yeah. that was a particularly creepy one. It's one of the earlier ones too. Um, there are a few about um, ERs and ambulances which all of those kind of have the same theme. Like there's shadows, there's screaming where there shouldn't be, there's footsteps mm -hmm. where there shouldn't be. Um, honestly, I don't really find that, that surprising considering how traumatic ERs are and then the way that sound can travel in hospitals with vents and stuff. So mm -hmm. I could absolutely see that being like reasonable, like normal noise travel. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I didn't find those like particularly alluring, um, but some of them definitely had some details that gave me pause where it's like, hmm, this seems like really unlikely that in a completely abandoned area, there would suddenly be a person in the corner that disappears and the light turns on. Like that seems weird to me. Yeah. 
but also your eyes play tricks on you. Like that's absolutely a thing. Mm -hmm. Like your brains do that. If you get stressed out, if you're lacking sleep, which oftentimes medical professionals are. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just like, there's so many different factors here. Right. Um, he talks a little bit about how nurses, especially ones who do work in hospice, have like a like a nurse sense where you, you'll hear from nurses who have been working in hospice care or um, you know long-term care for multiple years talk about um, like, it's just going to be one of those nights I can feel it. And like, they know someone's going to die. And so he talks about like, is that a paranormal phenomenon? Like, is that something that's paranormal or is that an experience thing where like, as you become an experienced nurse, you recognize subtle signs that you maybe don't really notice that you notice, but like small things, like they've lost some weight, their eyes look more hollow, like small things that will tell you that a patient's going to die that as a professional, you might figure out, but like as an everyday person, maybe you wouldn't notice in the yeah. human. Or even like if it's subtle enough where they can't like put their finger on it and they're like, well, I couldn't explain it to you, but there's something, something wrong. Something exactly something is making me like my my hair standing up in the back of my neck. Something's going on, but I can't put my finger on it. But yeah, is it experience? Like totally is it something else? Yeah, like way, this absolutely reasonable that that's something that could totally happen. Um, okay, so there's this one story that got me the most. I'm gonna tell you it. It's gonna be my last story because everything else is a lot of the same. This is the best one. Okay, so. This person was dying. Obviously, this is hospice care again. Um, and they had like six or seven family members sitting around them. And the the person's heart rate went down and they they're coded. Like all of their the monitors went down. They're they're dead. They're gone. One of the family members comes out to talk to the nurse and they're like, hey, um, I know they're gone, but they're standing in the corner of the room. Excuse me? No, yeah, they're standing in the corner of the room. Oh, okay. So the nurse comes in. She's standing there in the corner of the room, just like the family member said. So all of the family members are sitting around this dead body and the nurse also sees it though. Like that's, so that's seven people now that they so the rest of the family it. also. They all see they it. See it. Oh. Yeah, they just, they just don't know what to do about it. Right? I wasn't sure if it was just that one gal who walked out. Who, who, that one person oh, just okay. like told the nurses, but the whole family can see it. So the and whole family the is just like, and there's, and the nurse then calls a priest and it's like, Hey, we had somebody pass. Like, can you come give last rites? Well, all that jazz. Like it's a pretty typical Priesty thing things. that you would do in hosp hospice care. Um, and the priest comes and the priest sees it. And I guess, I don't know exactly what the priest did priesty stuff, but basically like gave some sort of prayer or blessing. And then the person in the corner turned around and just walked through the wall and went away. And that was it. And they never saw them again. And so Richard goes into, goes into this a little bit. He's like, I think the most convincing part of this is the fact that eight people report the exact same experience and having actually seen this, this spirit of this person who's lying on the bed. Like that's a lot of people, but he was like, why would no one have snapped a picture? Like if this entity was, or the spirit or whatever it was, was there for so long, no one thought to take a picture. He's like, but at the same time, like your family member just died and you're probably in a lot of shock. I don't think your first thought would be, let me take my phone out to take a picture. Yeah. Like, I think you would just be in disbelief. He's like, so and I was like a understand. nurse. You don't take pictures of patients. So like they're that's right. probably their first thought. Priest probably didn't bring priest, a camera. Yeah. That's probably not their typical like priestery things to take a picture. Yeah. Cause at first like, I was thinking when I was thinking it was just the one person, I was like, well, that's clearly grief. Like, yeah, that's what I thought too. And then the nurse sees, and I was like, oh, and then when you said that it was all of them, because I could, I could probably get on board with like a collective grief. Like if one person maybe said it right, like, oh my gosh, she's standing there. And then everyone else, like they buy into yeah. it, they see it, they want to, but it's the it's nurse. like that mass hysteria. 
yeah the nurse and the priest like these people like especially the priest the priest probably has like zero connection to this patient like maybe exactly. the, the nurse might have some connection the nurse may have hospice. told him like we see them or whatever but like yeah. he wouldn't have seen it yeah because i feel like okay yeah you tell me that you see it and i walk in and i go okay sure yeah okay like maybe like to the group i'll be like oh yes she is there and yeah i agree and then when an author is like person comes and like i'm writing a book i'm gonna go oh no no i didn't actually see them like it's just a polite thing to say like you're not gonna walk in and be like okay you dumb dumb grandma just died she's not there like you're obviously like you're grieving just relax like no you're not gonna say that no you're gonna be like oh okay yep so this is our corner and let me say my prayer and now she's walking into the light whatever they say i don't really know i only know all my stuff from tv there me too yeah but that one yeah i don't know that just like really got me i was just like that's a lot of like direct witnesses and like they weren't doing anything like the spirit wasn't doing anything it's just like um they didn't know there was um they also do have some like mediums i I lied there's gonna be one more story i just remembered (laughs) um they they have like mediums kind of come in so like there are some of the stories that come from people who are proclaimed mediums obviously there are some people who do this that is true and some people who do this for money um hard to tell the difference um but there was one in particular and she like went into a morgue i believe um she was like helping investigate something or her job had to do with being in a morgue but whatever reason she was in a morgue and like she's telling this story to richard the author but she's working with a partner like when she's in the morgue but her partner's not a medium or not sensitive and so she can see the spirit and there's the body there in the bag and the spirit's yelling at her like why am I in a bag why did they zip me up like freaking out and so like I don't know how much I believe these stories but like it's kind of cool to believe that that's true that like like someone didn't know in you know the 10 minutes or two hours after their death that they were dead and they're shocked and they're scared and like I can imagine that's absolutely true like if if being a ghost exists I imagine that's absolutely fucking true oh yeah I mean they do like they have like obviously fictional but like tv shows and movies and books and stuff like that where you're like yeah you don't know that you have and all of a sudden you're like what is happening or it's like they're always like screaming at the person the loved one of like i'm right here why are you ignoring me right but like who's to say that that's not what happens because especially like something like that where you end up in a morgue like that's probably not like you were older or terminal and you knew you were gonna die this feels very that would be very much of like i'm living my life now i'm not so yeah, of course you're gonna be like, like what's happening? Versus if I'm terminal, then maybe when I wake up in a body bag, I go, oh, oh okay, yeah, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought the medium stories are pretty interesting too. Like I said, it's it's hard to know what's real and what's just like them making something up. Like mm-hmm. I I don't know because I'm not apparently a medium. Those I mean, be- if if they exist, I don't think I have one. So yeah some of you or you just haven't had the like one that'll unlock your brain to it i don't know how that that's works. true i, I mean they do talk about some people or... have like triggers where like now you're you've been exposed um i did think it was interesting and this is something i absolutely do believe is it so um it's something i always think about like if a ghost is seen by you do they know that you see them and the medium and one of the stories was talking to richard about this specifically um she was saying that like they know when you have seen them like they just get like a it's like a sixth sense for them where they just like they know that they've been seen and they know that so like you can't ignore them like especially if they want to like some of them will be aggressive in your face about it some of them just like don't give a shit and they're just like whatever like you're just living your life and i'm here and i'm dead and some of them will like do a disappearing act and they'll just like peace out 
Um, but I just think that's particularly interesting because I've always wondered about that. And that's, I don't know, like I'm a person who kind of believes like when I'm alone in my house and something's creepy, I will out loud invite something to not follow me. I will tell it it's not welcome. <laughs> like I do that all the time. Oh, well, like, see, when something happens in my house, I'm like, serial killer, don't make a move. And then I no. just, I've heard that that's a thing. Like if, especially if you have gone to like, um, like one of those like haunted tours or whatever, things can follow you home. And uh, oftentimes if, if they were human at one point, if you tell them that they're not invited, then they will leave. Um, kind of so like I've done vampire. that. I've done that when I've left haunted tours. I've said like, this was fun. Thanks, but you're not welcome to follow me. Like I've said mm. stuff like that. Like I, yeah. I'd rather be safe than sorry. If that's true. Air, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. If, if yeah. I just deter- deterred it to ghosts, that's also cool. <laughs> yeah. Then that worked when it was supposed to. And if they're, if nobody had planned on following you or if it doesn't actually work or it's not true, then I mean, really no harm. Right. But like, I just yeah. heard that in general from people who are like, oh, I have ghostly encounters in my house and I tell it that that's not okay and it should stop and it will stop. And so, like, I do that all the time because um, yeah. I'm a weirdo. And that's but also, I anyways. mean, like, when cats just turn and they just stare at something and you're like, okay, like, you're clearly smarter than us. Like, you have. That freaks me out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm like, like, are it. you seeing something or are you just, did you think you saw a bug or a floaty? Like, the was dust? It, yeah. Was it a little feather from the blanket that you moved? Like, what? Or is yeah. it something else? I don't know. It stresses me out. And also, so they I would never tell us. They would never tell us if they saw a ghost. They would Even if they could speak cats or turds, they would never tell us. No, they would probably like play games with the ghost like against us. 100% they would. They would My cats the, are the worst. Yeah, they would help them haunt us. So, so yeah. Um. Anyways, I thought it was really interesting the way that this particular short story audiobook, he pulled together a bunch of different people's specific examples. And then he also talks about like, what does that mean? How can we address that? How do we dig into that? How do we think critically about it? Um, this is honestly one of the more interesting paranormal books, like the true ones that I've read. Usually it feels fake, you know, like it feels forced or it feels like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. But like the fact that he comes at it as a skeptic and then tries to kind of dig into some of those details and like talk about like, well, she could have seen this, she could have done this, it could have been this thing. Like, I thought that was in particularly interesting. And I think it gives more clout when he is like, this was creepy. And I think that was legit. Like it makes it feel more real because yeah. it's like, if someone like him, encounters all these things on the regular and collects these stories and then he thought that this particular instance seemed real that makes me think that that's real mm-hmm. like i mean he could be yeah. lying he could it has, be, like let's yeah. be real but it does feel like it has a higher probability right more exactly there so i would definitely give this a five out of five it was short um it was interesting though and i thought it was really informational so i really like that um obviously somebody who's less inclined paranormally probably would give it like a two but even if you are, I think the fact that he has that healthy dose of skepticism is probably going to be something that would still interest you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, yeah. I, I remember when you told me that you were picking that one, I was like, huh, because that was mine when I was trying to pick these is that a lot of them are like haunted house stories and yeah, things like that. Were. And I'm a natural skeptic. And so they're harder for me to buy that this house is haunted <laughs> and it's <laughs> I get it. trying to get you to move out. So I struggle with that. But I, yeah, like you said, I like how your author kind of approached it of it, mm-hmm. maybe it is this, but maybe it's not like, let's discuss kind of a thing. Well, he's so. a man of science. Like he, he's mm-hmm. like a medical professional too. And so he's just like, I have to, like, I'm taught to approach these things with like a very logical mindset. And so the fact that there are things that are unexplainable, mm-hmm. I'll do some stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Well, 
We hope that you all liked our minis, our true scary spooks, if you will. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we're loving October. It's the best month. We all know that, though. Y'all know we love it the most. Instagram is Isn't It Past Your Bedtime and Twitter IIPYB underscore pod. You can also check out our website, isn'tpastyourbedtime.com to see what's in the archive and what's coming up next. Yeah. Rate, review, subscribe, all those things. If you want to reach out and like tell us about your true encounters with anything scary, we'd love to hear it. Oh my God, please share. Yeah. Rachel will believe you 100%. She's going to. I'll question you. Oh, I won't. One person once told me that gullible was written on the ceiling and I looked up. So I'll believe anything. Let's be real. That's true. She will. I fell for that. (laughs) Anyways, we'll talk to everyone later. Bye, everyone. Bye.